Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and shortly we will be starting our next episode. We will be providing you tools, resources, and information that you can use to make your life just a little bit better. But before we do that, let's honor our country, and then we'll begin the podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard. This is episode 51, episode 5-1. And tonight, I have a great guest with me, another uh, inspiring uh, guest that's going to bring a lot of information to you that, uh, that you can use and that uh, will be helpful to you. His name is John Giordano. And uh, he is an addiction, trauma, and recovery expert. He's also a certified hypnotherapist and author. John, who himself is a long-term, uh, who is in long-term recovery, he is a- an addict expert whose career spans over 30 years. John's passion for helping people shine through early, uh, through early in, in life as a karate instructor and continued later as he helped literally thousands of addicts find their path of recovery at his former treatment center. John is the author of the book, The Kid from South Bronx Who Never Gave Up. So that's just a small bio. And I want to welcome uh, John uh, to the podcast. Nice to have you, John. Oh, thank you very much. I love doing these because I love helping people. And I've been doing it for, like you said, well, now coming up on it's 35 years. And I have, uh, in December, I'll have 37 years in recovery. Wow. Uh, uh, amazing. And we're going to start off tonight with, with the first segment. Um, if you want to start, uh, you said it was going to be abbreviated. So if you want to start with, with a little bit about your, your story, your, your backstory, what led up to the book? the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up and tell us a little bit about that uh, before we get into your expert expertise. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it starts off uh, to make it really the duty abridged version. Uh, my family is like a mafia type of a family. Uh, my father went to jail when I was eight. I got molested when I was eight and a half. And then I got molested again by a babysitter when I was nine. 
Um, I was in gangs when I was 10. Um, and what had happened was as time went on, uh, I finally got um, into karate when I was 14 and a half, which actually saved my, I, I would imagine saved my life. Um, and, you know, karate gave me a lot of discipline, a lot of focus. Um, I never thought that I would make it to where I did. I'm, I'm in the Black Belt Hall of Fame. I'm a national karate champion. I'm a grandmaster in the martial arts. I'm a black belt in judo, black belt in jiu-jitsu, and a grandmaster in karate and goju-ru karate. Anyway, um, here I am. I'm working out. I'm training. I'm winning tournaments. I'm doing all of that stuff. And um, I meet a girl when I'm 20 in, uh, in Florida. I moved to Florida. And um, what happened was, was very interesting. We, we fell in love. And to make it really short, uh, my uncle threw us a wedding. And uh, what happened was the caterer insulted my uncle in front of the family. And I just told you who my family was. Her family were lawyers and doctors and on one side of the, the reception, uh, there were these doctors in suits and lawyers and all these kind of people. On the other side, there was these gangsters and racketeers with guns. So oh, it wow. was quite an interesting mix, let's put it that way. And uh, so what happened, he insulted my uncle and the next day, they said my uncle killed the caterer. So I don't know if he did or not, but I believe he did because my, my, uh, one of my uncles was a hitman. So um, that was a strong possibility. My grandmother told me we're at my grandmother's house. She says, you got to leave. I said, what do you mean? We got to leave the plane. Doesn't leave the, for four hours. And she says, no, no, you have to leave now. I said, why? He says, your uncle killed the caterer. I said, what? So uh, thank God for my mother. You know, she says, oh, John gets anxiety. So we have to leave now to the airport because my in-laws were there. And as we left, the police came to the house to arrest them. So that went on and uh, I wound up uh, moving back uh, to Florida with my bride. And, uh, you know, we started doing drugs together and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And over time, I did a lot of drugs. And I did, let me see, I did pot, I did uh, pills. I tried heroin, but I didn't like it. I got sick. Drinking, I didn't like, I got sick. Uh, I smoked pot, but I got tired of that because I kept eating. And um, uh, what else? Oh, then I started with cocaine. And uh, that wasn't a good idea because that's what really brought me down. I was married uh, three times. And the fourth time I was married in recovery. And we'll talk about that. But I'll digress back to the beginning again. Um, so what happened was I was getting out of control. And my mother, uh, and I only went to the ninth grade, by the way, so I quit school when I was 16. I wanted to make money. And um, that's what I did. And I left home at 17 and a half to go find my way in the world. And um, so going forward, I started getting out of hand with the drugs. And uh, my mother said, uh, you know, she'll never speak to me again. She was crying. And that's not the way my mother was. And my family's the one that did the intervention. I told you who my family was. So I was wondering who did the invent intervention on them. So anyway, an intervention <laughs> is where people get together and they, 
um, you know, talk to you and that you, they suggest that you go into treatment. So I said, well, let me go to treatment, get everybody off my back and uh, I'll take a break. I don't need any help. They, they're nuts. They need help. And I went into treatment and I had like, um, you know, I said, what am I doing here? I wouldn't even get high with these kind of people. And uh, so what happened is I went into group and they said, well, you know, you got to share about your life. And I said, look, if I have to share, I have to kill you. So um, <laughs> I started sharing a little bit, you know, and I said, I don't even know why I'm here. And I always had my luggage. Uh, I never un undid my luggage. It was always packed. I was always at the elevator leaving. The therapist always bringing me back, talking to me. And it was Christmas time. I wanted to, I wanted to go home for Christmas. And they said, no, 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 John, you can't go home for Christmas. So I got pissed off. Now, I didn't get only angry. I got rageful. I punched the door, and I wanted to punch the counselor. Uh, and I remember the therapist told me about getting on my knees to pray. And I said, look, I'm a recovering Catholic. I said, you mean God doesn't hear me if I'm in the closet or standing up? <laughs> so I was so angry. So, so what happened was... I said, let me get down on my knees. So I went to get down on my knees and I, and I couldn't get down on one of my knees. And I said, this is ridiculous. You know, I just, I, I couldn't, it just didn't want to go down. So I pushed my knee down and I pushed my second knee down. And every time I think about it, I just get, I still feel that feeling. And um, I started to pray to whatever. And I said, please take this away and whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And my anger and my rage went away like it never was there. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but that never happened to me. And it was gone. And as crazy as I was, I said, I tried to get it back and it wouldn't come back. And that was kind of like a turning point for me. Wow. Uh, in treatment. And I had other turning points, but I, 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 I want to move forward so it makes it easier for you uh, and my audience. So what happened was I got out of treatment and uh, the day I got out, my wife picked me up and she hands me a vial of Coke and he says, hey, just do a hit, one hit, that's all you need. I says, I just spent six weeks in treatment and now you wanted me to do Coke? Are you crazy, man? So, you know, that wasn't a good place to be. So anyway, they told me don't make any major decisions for a year, which I didn't. I went to therapy with my wife. Uh, she kept using, I was, in, I was clean, I didn't use. I kept going to the meetings, which I thought were bullshit and plain English. And I says, I won't even get high with these people. What am I doing here? Um, I want to get high when I come here. Uh, I didn't come here to join a new religion, but I kept going. And they said, don't leave until the miracle happens. Now, in treatment, I was the most unlikely person to succeed. But what happened was uh, I kept going. And I kept following the directions. I didn't believe in them. I don't know why I kept following it, but I did. And um, after about a year, I said, uh, my, my therapist said everything uh, with my wife doing coke and doing all this stuff. They said, John, I says, listen, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to wind up using. They said, well, then you have to make a decision. And I had two kids. I didn't want to lose my family. And, uh, but I was losing myself. So if I lose me, I lose everybody. So uh, I decided to get divorced and we got divorced. Uh, I moved out. She had the house, she had the car, she had the kids, she had everything. 
and I had nothing uh, but my clothes. So what happened was I went and a friend of mine had a hotel on the beach called the Tudor Hotel. And it was an old, uh, an ALF, an adult living facility for uh, older people. And I had a room. Uh, I had a bicycle that somebody loaned me. I had a bottle where I used to put quarters in when I had quarters. And um, there was two beds and a little warmer. My kids used to come, we used to cry all together. They used to say, Daddy, what are you doing here? And, and I'm saying to myself, this is recovery, this sucks. And, you know, I couldn't hang out with my friends and I couldn't do all the things that I wanted to do. And um, I really felt lost. I felt alone. I felt empty. I felt confused. Um, thank God for the karate because I kept working out and exercising and, you know, eating the best I can and um, making a few dollars teaching. And what happened was, you know, I didn't always pay attention to everybody. I wasn't his perfect client. A friend of mine owned a nightclub. So what I did was, I go, I, I went to the nightclub at night. Uh, I'm sitting around with everybody and everybody's drinking and I'm sitting there drinking a soda and um, everybody's leaving the table and coming back with white powder on their nose and everybody's getting high. And I, I knew they were uncomfortable because I was sure uncomfortable. And I said, I gotta go and I left and never to return to the club and my old friends. Um, it just didn't fit anymore for my lifestyle I didn't realize it, but I was destroying my life. I thought I was okay. I thought I was just doing like everybody else was doing, but it wasn't true. I was selling drugs uh, like my father. I was doing collection work for the smugglers. Uh, I was doing a lot of crazy stuff. And I never went to jail. I never got arrested. I never did had anything like that. I should have been in jail 9,000 times, but I wasn't. Uh, and um, I got very fortunate. So what happened was um, I came up with an idea to open up a treatment center. And uh, first I came up with the idea to, to change the place where I was living into a three-quarter way house. That's a, a sober living place where people come uh, and they live there and they, uh, we drop urines on them and they have to get a job and they have to go to meetings and they have to live a recovery lifestyle. So my friend says, oh, that's a great idea. And he changed it to a three-quarter way house and had all the other people leave. And that was very successful. Then I came up with another idea to open up a treatment center. Now, the only thing I knew about a treatment center was that I was in one. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't know anything about treatment centers, uh, how to run one, especially not how to fund one. So um, he's, I said to him, listen, I got this doctor who's a famous doctor well, everybody knows I want us to open up a treatment center, but that wasn't true. I lied. It was my doctor who was the famous doctor, but I never talked to him. So he said, well, how much do you need? So now what do I know? So I said a quarter of a million dollars. So he said, you got it. If you can get that doctor, I'll give it to you. I said, oh, okay. So I went into the doctor's office. And when I got there and he says to me, I says, hey, I got a quarter of a million dollars. Would you like to open up a treatment center? So he was a comedian. Also, he's a great guy. He was in recovery. And he says to me, you know, I was just thinking about that, John. So we opened up a treatment center. And I took people from uh, the treatment center that I came through, which was Mount Sinai, to work for me. And I gave everybody ten dollars to $20,000 raises. And I gave um, 
my therapist, who was the program director, was making 29000 a year. I gave him 50000 to come with me. He was hesitant, hesitant, and then his wife talked him into when he came. So we were doing, I, now I, I wanted to be a therapist, but I wound up being the administrator. I was, the, I was in every office and everything in the whole place. And I, I never, you know, I, I'm thinking about it now. It was, we had a hospital program. We, had a, we, we rented out a floor of a hospital. Now here I am 14 years clean. I went to the ninth, uh, 14 months clean. And I went to, uh, only went to uh, the sixth or the ninth grade. And I'm standing in this, on this floor in the hospital, looking around, saying, how did I get here? <laughs> this is like crazy. I, I couldn't believe that I actually did this. And uh, we made the, the program uh, not like a hospital. We had regular beds. We had pictures on the wall that uh, were motivational pictures. And we did yoga. We had healthy food. Uh, we did all these things. To make the story quicker, because we only got a certain amount of time, what happened was um, we were very successful. And um, meanwhile, I had to go back to school. I got my GED, and uh, which was quite a chore because I didn't go to school for 25 years. And um, I got my, because I got clean when I was 37. So I got my GED. I passed. I can't believe I passed, but I did. I went to the school and took 300 hours of addiction training. And then I, um, had, I had to get 6,000 hours of on-the-job supervision. But what wound up happening was um, we couldn't make payroll. And my friend who put the money up says, they're stealing. I said, no, they're in recovery. I'm a street kid. If you stole from me, I punch you in the face. All right, but I was in recovery and I didn't think that way anymore. I became totally sober and stupid. Um, and I was naive. So I said, no, they're in recovery. They don't do that. So they were trying to blame him. And I said, the guy don't even have, you don't even have the checkbook. How's he gonna steal? Anyway, um, I walked into the doctor's office. I says, are you stealing? So he put his head down and he says, yeah, I have a sex addiction and he, he was uh, buying hookers and buying apartments and took all that money. And the, my therapist, okay, who I gave a job to, didn't like the fact that his client was his boss. Now, I wasn't even his boss. I was just somebody who owned the program. But, you know, was part owner in the program. But he didn't like it. So anyway, long story short, um, he took the program out from under me. He told me, uh, you know, if you don't, give up your part of the program. Your friend's never going to get his money back. If you sign the paper, we'll give you uh, uh, the accounts receivables and um, he'll get some of his money back. And I didn't want to hurt my friend, so I did that. And uh, they gave me the outpatient clinic. So we'll give you the outpatient. There was only three clients in it. And, you know, they figured it'll go out of business and they'll get rid of me. But it didn't because they came up with another idea and I had them take clients that went in, inpatient. They segued into outpa intensive outpatient because that's continuity of care. So I told them about that, and they were sending clients into the intensive outpatient program. They made millions of dollars. I made a salary. But I had, you know, I had to swallow my ego, swallow my pride, and I had to just keep going because I wanted to get my uh, certification in addiction counseling. And I wow. needed somebody to supervise me for 6,000 hours. Wow. It was painful, but I put that aside and put it into helping people. 
Yeah. That, so, uh, um, I'm sorry. We're, yeah, we're, we're coming up on, on a break. Um, <laughs> there's so okay. much to unpack there. Uh, I, I let, know. yeah, let's do this. Um, we'll go ahead and, and we're going to, you know, and, and stay tuned folks, because part two, we'll continue with John, uh, the se uh, second segment. And, uh, we're going to take just a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to pick up where we left off and, uh, and talk a little bit more about, uh, John's journey and what he's doing now. Um, you, to me, um, you know, your story resonates, uh, to such a degree uh, that, you know, your story uh, is, is the excuse eraser completely. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I can't see anyone using any kind of excuse or justification for continuing down the wrong path after listening to your story, because uh, you, you took all the hurdles and you, and you, you know, you took all the excuses away. Well, wait to hear the rest of the hurdles. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up on the rest of the hurdles uh, in, in, in just a minute. We're going to take a short break, folks. We're talking with John Giordano, and uh, he is a trauma and addiction expert, along with many other things. Uh, John has a whole litany of things that we're going to talk about in the second segment. So stay with us. We will be back shortly. Welcome our new sponsor, Scars and Stripes Coffee Company. They empower veterans to build their own business using their e-commerce platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran, and your purchase directly impacts the men and women who have served our country. Do more than say, thank you for your service. Order today and empower a veteran. Use vet code Brad Richard at scarsandstripescoffee.com that's scarsandstripescoffee.com welcome back everyone to the men on a mission podcast i'm your host brad richard and we have been speaking with john giordano and uh, i hope you got a chance to listen to the first segment because uh, his story is amazing he is a trauma and addiction expert also a hypnotherapist and uh, the author of the book the kid from the south bronx who never gave up. So welcome back, John. And uh, if you could, I, I think I remember where you left off, but if you can just continue on with yeah. the story there uh, and the treatment All right, center. So um, I had to get 6,000 hours of um, training, supervised training, and I had to stay in the job, even though they took the treatment center out from under me. Um, I just kept going. And after the, after uh, the six years were uh, the, the 6,000 hours were up, which was about three years, um, I walked into the guy's office who was the my therapist. I told him I was going to rearrange his face and uh, no, no doctor will ever put it back together again. And I told him my uncle who happened to be in treatment uh, a year earlier, he's, he's doing crack cocaine. And I told you he was a hitman, and he was telling all the clients about the people that he killed. And I ran to my office, your uncle is telling, I said, I told you what he did, you know, and so he knew who my uncle was. I said, I'm just going to call him up and he's going to blow your legs out. And um, don't worry, you'll never walk again and nobody will recognize you. I want my contract that you said you were going to give me and you never gave me. They gave it to me. Three months later, I quit. Uh, I got $80,000. They made millions and I left. I didn't care. You know, I just wanted to help people and I loved what I did. And I just moved on. And then my friend that gave me the money the first time said, I got another guy. 
Uh, he's interested. He said, put a business plan together. That's what I did. I went, and a minute before I was supposed to meet the guy, I forgot the business plan. I went there. I told him I forgot. He says, don't worry. Put it on a napkin, what you want to do. And that's what I did. <laughs> and he said, okay. And we put another treatment center together. It was a 30-bed facility. Uh, I hired my uh, a friend that I met uh, who became my therapist. And my, not my therapist, my sponsor, I'm sorry. And um, I gave him a raise just like I did the first time with the other guy. I didn't know this guy was a corporate raider. After a year, uh, he picked a fight with me and he said, I'm firing you. And I said, you can't fire me. I'm your partner. And he said, yes, I can read your contract. See, I never had a lawyer between the two places. Uh -huh. So that was my fault, not their fault. So I have to own my own stuff. And I have to learn from that. See, there are no failures. There are only lessons. And, um, you know, and I never give up anyway. So I, I was going to throw him through the window. And then I said, I'm in recovery. I can't do that. I turned to my sponsor who I hired. And I says, come on. He doesn't know about this program. He says, I can't leave. I just bought a house. And I, I, I make this much money. And so I walked out with my little box with my stuff that I got from my desk. I sat on my car and I cried. I was in the parking lot. Then I worked at a... Um, uh, um, what do you call it? An old TC, it's called a homeless, um, a facility for homeless people and people with HIV. I became the clinical director of that, but that was a ridiculous place because what they did was they used to uh, put a guy in the middle of the room, they used to tear him down and then they used to try to build him back up. And it was kind of crazy. So I left there and I was with a woman, I'm trying to run through this and says, why don't you open up a treatment center? I said, no, 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 she's opening up. So I had only $300 left because I had a spending addiction. So I spent all the money I had. <laughs> and um, my friend owned the building and I, he says, I says, I want to rent it. It was a little 750 square foot building. I, he said, how, I said, how much is it? He said, how much do you have? I said, I got $300. He says, all right, look, working for a couple of months, then you can pay me 300 a month. I said, okay. So uh, I had a friend that I worked with, with this other place that I worked, and I asked them to come in and help me be my partner. Uh, I was never really good in the beginning with business because when the clients used to pay me money, I just put it in my pocket. So and my, my friend said to me, he says, John, where's the books? I said, what books? So he says, what do you do? How do you collect the money? I said, put it in my pocket. They'll pay me. Don't worry. He says, you're crazy. He says, is that an observation or a statement? So... Anyway, um, he took over the business part. And then, um, and you know, we were broke. We didn't have anything. And then um, his son came down who knew about the internet and he was brilliant. And uh, as time went on, uh, years went by, you know, we kept struggling. We had bill collectors chasing us. We had this, but we kept going. We even gave people free treatment that really wanted and needed, even though we were broke as a joke. Um, sometimes we wouldn't even make payroll. There was only two of us or three of us. Then there was four or five of us. Um, anyway, long story short, why I wrote the book to show people this, that you can never give up. I started the company with $300 and in 2012, we sold it for 45 million. So if anybody would have told me that I would have punched them in the face. I kept punching them thinking they're making fun of me. <laughs> How in the world did a kid from the South Bronx, only went to the ninth grade, got a GED, and then went back to school, 
did all this under the circumstance. And I never, ever gave up. And we never, ever did it for the money. We did it to help God's kids. Mm-hmm. And that's how I looked at it. And if you do the right thing, and I'm just telling everybody, don't worry. You'll get exactly what you need to get. Maybe not what you want, but you'll get what you need to get. And we got more than what we needed to get. But, you know, that. and I still do the work and I still write books and I still lecture uh, all over the world. I'm in 76 medical and scientific peer-reviewed journals. I work with 25 universities. Uh, I'm uh, on the editorial board of a journal. Uh, I mean, it, this is like an absurd. I'm a chaplain for the police department. Uh, I, 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 I lectured to over 200 countries. You know, I help design treatment programs. Um, I'm, I'm well known in the industry. And the program that I put together was an alternative treatment program. And that's what I lecture about. And it's just amazing. And that's why we did the research on a lot of the genetics and neuroscience and amino acid therapy and hyperbaric chambers and, and acupuncture and colonics and massage and, and uh, brain mapping and uh, neuroscience, uh, neuro, uh, neurofeedback, biofeedback, aromatherapy, um, checking for heavy metals. We did everything in my treatment center. Nobody ever did. People talk about the center still today. And I'm currently working for South Beach Detox, which is, happens to be in North Miami Beach. And I'm helping them to redesign their program. I'm the program director and consultant. And, um, you know, I got a CAP, Certified Addiction Professional. I'm a hypnotherapist. I have a master's in NLP. Uh, I'm, I'm certified in EMDR, which is for trauma. And that's what I work with our, our vets. I work with trauma. Um, I work with people that have been in shootings, uh, officers that have been in shootings. I work with rape victims. I redeveloped EMDR's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a standard treatment that they use for PTSD. Um, and I redeveloped it. I, I put together NLP, neuro linguistic programming with hypnotherapy, the tonalities of hypnotherapy and uh, holotropic breathing. And I put all those different modalities together with the EMDR and I formulated uh, a technique that gets rid of trauma in about 20, 25 minutes. It's kind of wild when you think about it. Um, I don't, I always tell people, don't believe a word I tell you, please go look it up or sit in my chair and let me know if it doesn't work. You can, you can laugh at me. Well, I've been doing it for 20 years. Nobody laughed at me yet. So um, that's the kind of work I do. Do you have any questions? Wow. That's um, never giving up along with all the options that are out there, whether it's trauma addiction, um, suicide, abuse. Um, you, you, you know, alluded to that earlier, earlier on in the first segment. Um, our vets are experiencing, in some cases, all of those. They're experiencing the PTSD, the trauma, um, the, the abuse and the addiction and, uh, and fighting to keep themselves alive. And, you know, your story is so inspirational and I know the listeners are going to look at, look at your story 
and 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 basically, you know, they're going to be. I think they'll be left with uh, a basket full of excuses that they can just toss out, uh, toss out, you know, with the trash tomorrow because uh, you you didn't accept your excuses, and even though you fought fought it along the way, you uh, you you never left it. You, you, you know, you, you stayed in. What, what do you think, John, kept you, you know, because you said you didn't really believe in it. Um, what, what kept you there? Because well, I, I got so to learn about a higher power. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and spirituality is, to me, is the foundation of everything. Uh, and I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about spirituality. You know, learn to be kind instead of right. Do your best not to lie, cheat, or steal, to hurt yourself or another human being. Help people less fortunate than you. That's how, you know, I believe it's what spirituality is. Right. You know, and um, that's what I do. And, and, and the bottom line is what I did was I learned why people have addiction. They have it through genetics, not only to stand it, what we do. Treatment is 70 years behind the times. That's what I lecture about. Um, we don't realize it, that drugs and alcohol damage the brain. If you use uh, hyperbaric medicine, that helps to heal the brain. Most people don't realize that. I used that for addiction 20 years ago. And I still use it. I have a hyperbaric chamber in my home for myself to help heal myself for things. Um, also, addicts and alcoholics and people who suffer from depression and anxiety, well, how is that happening? It's not just psychological, you know. If you have a low thyroid, you'll have depression and anxiety. If you have low testosterone, you can have depression and anxiety. If you have leaky gut syndrome or H. pylori infection, you can have depression and anxiety. If you're hypoglycemic, you can have depression and anxiety. If you have a closed head injury, you can have depression, anxiety, and behavioral problems and suicidal ideation. These are things that we are not looking at. If you have heavy metal toxicity, it can mimic um, attention deficit disorder and bipolar disorder. There are medical conditions that are causing people to feel the way they feel besides the psychological part. See, people don't get that, especially a lot of our servicemen that are over, over in Iraq and Afghanistan. They were drinking water and eating food over there that was toxic. And they didn't know it. it tasted right. good, you know? And, you know, and they were getting uppers to get up and downers to go down. To go to sleep. I know what was going on over there. Um, you know, and then all the stress that you're under, you're walking down, you don't know if you're going to get your head blown off in any second. Or you're stepping on a mine. I mean, tremendous stress constantly, which was weakening the whole ecology of the body, mind and the soul. And after you see all the atrocities over there, you start to wonder if there is a God. And you lose everything. Your spirituality, you lose the whole nine yards. Right. This is what our service men and women go through. And when, you know, it's unfortunate they come back and I don't know, we're just not taking care of you guys the way we need to personally. I, I feel that way. Mm -hmm. A lot of I... them are homeless. A lot of them are committing suicide. Uh, a lot of them, um, they just don't know what to do with themselves. So, you know, unfortunately you, you go through all that training. You're very disciplined. You're very focused. Uh, you guys, a lot of the guys learn trades. A lot of the guys can do a lot of things, you know, but they're so beaten down after a while and um, they just give up. 
And we, I'm here to tell you, don't give up before the miracle happens. Because I know a lot of the guys that didn't give up became successful. And what does that mean, success? I don't mean just money. I'm talking about that, having that peace inside, feeling that you matter, okay? Feeling that you count, okay? Uh, feeling appreciated, you know? And, and, and that's what, uh, you know, what happens is, you know, when you go into war, from what I gather, and I haven't been in war, but I talked to enough of the guys, you become an inhuman human. You see things that happen that most people never see. Now, my one of my my son, my wife's son, is a police officer, and my son-in-law is a, also a police officer, and um, they see horrific things every day. People in shootings, people that get stabbed, people with their guts hanging out. Same thing our servicemen see. Uh, it's pretty wild, and it's gonna. And then they're a walking target because. People don't like the police. Oh, boy, when they're in trouble, they know how to call them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was a military police officer. And for a short time, I was uh, in civilian law enforcement. And I removed myself from that career because not all, not all of it, not, but a, a, a large portion of that career you're seeing the worst sides of people and, and to say, to say, stay positive and stay true to yourself and love yourself and care for yourself. When you see so many human beings, just, just disintegrating before your eyes, you know, they're just, they're destroying themselves and you're seeing the worst parts of them. Um, Yeah. Very. It, it brought me to a place of, of severe depression and my only solution was to remove myself. Well, that was the best thing you could do because I watched the kids, you know, I helped them get there and I work with a lot of police departments. I know a lot of police chiefs and things like that. And, you know, I explained to them before they got in, you're going to have a severe personality change. You're going to become cynical. You're going to become jaded. Okay. Uh, you can even become prejudiced depending on where you work. Because all you deal with day in and day out are the worst of the worst and people that want to hurt you constantly and lie to you um, and on and on and on. So it's a thankless job. And unfortunately, you know, they, when they stressed out and a lot of police officers, just like a lot of vets, they become drug addicts, they become alcoholics, but the police officers will become alcoholics. Because you get drug tested, you, can, you know, you get in trouble, whatever. So a lot of them become alcoholics. And unfortunately, uh, they can't say they're depressed or anxiety because it goes in their jacket. They don't want anybody to know that. And if something happens, then they go, oh, look what, ha- look what this guy, you know. And it's, it's, a, it's a lose-lose situation. Right. You know, and I, I kind of laugh when they say they want to put, defund the police and they want to... Uh, have mental health people go into situations with domestic violence, uh, domestic um, stuff that goes on. <laughs> Let me tell you something. They won't last about five minutes. You know, try talking down some of these guys. They'll end up shooting you or stabbing you. And um, yeah, the talk is over. Yeah, at, talk at that is point. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have just <clears throat> we have just a few minutes left. Uh, tell me about 
what are you currently doing now? Do you um, you no longer operate the the treatment center? No, no, I'm I'm actually working in the treatment center, South oh, Beach Okay. Detox. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm training the staff. I'm uh, putting in new modalities. Uh, you know, we're putting in drumming. We're putting in um, uh, uh, mind mapping. We're putting in amino acids uh, to help with the brain chemistry. We're doing, um, we have steam rooms there. We have a massage. It's not to be fancy. People need to get these toxins out of their body. A massage is called lymphatic massage, which actually drugs are in your body on a cellular level. People don't get this. This is a whole system. It's not just the head walking around. Mm -hmm. And these drugs are getting more and more powerful and kids are dying. And it's it's ninety three thousand people died of an OD, OD, uh, OD last year. I mean, come on, you know. And they keep throwing money at a system that doesn't work. People should be in treatment sixty to ninety days, depending on the severity of the illness. Insurance companies don't want to pay for that. They pay for twenty eight days, which is a seventy year old model based on alcoholism, which is a joke. You come out of detox, which is not really detox, it's stabilization, because you don't put toxins in on other toxins. Detox means to detoxify, not to throw toxins on top of something else. You're right. stabilizing people. And their brain is still foggy and out to lunch. So it takes about two and a half weeks before the brain starts to clear up a little bit. And now they're going to make a major decision. Okay. Uh, they might bond with a therapist. Okay, and then they have to leave. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. No time to heal. When it comes to our vets, um, we we probably don't have enough time to cover the VA, the Veterans Administration. Um, so many vets are are stuck uh, with that being their only option. And well, it's a lot, a lot of political things going. It's all political, politicized. <clears throat> True. A lot of it's about money, unfortunately. You know, mm -hmm. let's get it real. That's what it's all really about. You know, yeah. and it's sad. And some good people in there trying to help our vets, but they're 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 their hands are tied uh because of funding or because of some you know political baloney. Mm -hmm. So it's this disgusting what's happening. So you gotta do the best you can. That's all. Right. Now, where is um now, your treatment facility is where? Where is it located? It's in at? Uh, 85 Northwest 168th Street, North Miami Beach. North Miami Beach. <clears throat> now, do you have um, affiliates or do you have um, connections in other states as far as? Because take I mean, people I want... from all different states. Okay. We take people from everywhere. They come from everywhere. Now, is that something that they can, can they get help through? the treatment facility that you're currently involved with. Yeah. It's, it's, they... uh, we, we do take, I think we take TRICARE, which is uh, the, the veterinary and the vet insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're in uh, uh, a network with uh, some of the other insurance companies, uh, but unfortunately it costs money mm -hmm. and it's over-regulated industry. So it costs you a lot of money to treat people. Right. Is um is it possible for because you know my listeners are in many many states? Um, do you do any kind of remote work 
with 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 veterans that wouldn't have the ability to, you know, get to the facility. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been doing that because I've been busy with all these other products projects. Mm -hmm. I see people individually here sometimes. Right. But you know, I don't overload myself either because I'm, I won't be able to help them if I'm not helping myself. Right. Because I deal with the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I want, I want the listeners to know uh, we're going to wrap up here because um, we're just about out of time. But I, I want the listeners to know that um, all of John's contact information, his links will be in the show notes. So you can click on those links. You can get to his website. You can connect with him. Uh, his social media links will be in there. And, uh, you know, trust me, you're going to want to do that because he has uh, so much more to offer and uh, definitely plug into what, what he's doing. Um, I, I guess in closing, John, I, you know, first of all, I, I'm honored to have you on the podcast. I think you um, you have a wealth of information and 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 you are truly a survivor uh, and you should be an inspiration to to any of my brothers and sisters in the military. Uh, you you set an example of never quitting, never giving up, and you've walked the walk so you can talk the talk. And I I, I respect that and that that's great. Um, well, anybody can call me if they want. Okay, my number's on the on the website, John, the letter J, Jordano.com, or my email. And uh, I, I talk to anybody and everybody. There's no charge. Uh, you know, um, I do what I can and help when I can. And, uh, and that's just what I'm about. And I'm just telling everybody that's listening, never, ever give up. Okay? And there are no failures. You are not a failure. Those are your lessons. Sometimes you have to repeat those lessons. It's okay. Keep going. And that, uh, don't give you anything you can't handle, buddy. Yeah. It's like having Winston Churchill on my podcast. Never give up. <laughs> right. He's the one that said that, right? I, if I, I don't know who said it. I yeah, said it. Never, never, never it. give up. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a strong message. Um I appreciate you being on the podcast and when it comes to trauma, addiction, abuse, um, suicidal thoughts, uh, and, and, and just struggling, like you said, you know, just a few minutes ago, um, it's not necessarily all psychological. A lot of it is physical. A lot of it is meta metabolic, metabolical, you know, uh, changes in the body. And, uh, and so you have to treat both sides, the physical and, and the mental. Um, Exercise is key. Exercise gets rid of stress and raises dopamine. That's the feel-good drug. Fix your gut. That's your second brain. That's where dopamine and serotonin is manufactured. Goes up your vagus nerve in your brain and deposits the dopamine and serotonin. Just remember those things. I, I wrote them down because I need both of those things you just mentioned. <laughs> so I, uh, I definitely uh, wrote those down, uh, John. Um, once again, thanks for being on the podcast. We are going to wrap up folks. Uh, it's been a, just so much information, uh, hopefully beneficial information. I, I think, uh, I think the listeners uh, should get quite a bit from John's story and I appreciate you being open and, and willing to share your story. Um, people love success stories and they, and they love to see examples of what's possible. 
and uh, you know gives a, gives them that little spark that the, that they can maybe move forward to. So, um, uh, once again, thanks, John, for for being on the podcast, folks. We are going to wrap up this episode. It's episode fifty one of the Men on a Mission podcast. We have been speaking with John Giordano, uh, trauma and addiction expert. Uh, hypnotherapist and uh, the author of the book that I am going to get a copy of because I have to read this book now. Um, the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. And uh, John definitely has, has not given up. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a fighter and he is, uh, is a servant and he's uh, he's there to help uh, the men and women out there. Uh, so we're going to uh, say good night. And uh, until next time, I will end like I always do. Take care of yourself. Love your little me. And until next time, bye for now. First to fight for the right and to build the nation's might. And we are equals rolling along. Out of all we have done, fighting till the battle's won. And we are equals rolling along. And it's high, high day. The army's on its way. We are proud to play.